0: Welcome to Navigating Love and Immigration. I'm your host, Megan Pastrana. Falling in love is exciting. Maintaining a healthy relationship takes work. And when you're going through an immigration process, you are faced with unique challenges. This podcast is for anyone in a cross cultural relationship who finds themselves lost in the labyrinth of U.S. immigration. We will interview relationship experts, explore the stories of real couples, and provide important tips on starting the next chapter of your lives together. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Navigating Love and Immigration. Today's episode is super special because I have a dear friend, Hannah Chapman, here with me. She's a certified financial planner and an entrepreneurial wealth coach. And today's episode is really special because we are going to be releasing this episode on our respective podcasts. And so it will also show up on on Hannah's podcast, uh, The Expansive CEO. Mm-hmm. and we're going to be talking about love and money stories. And it's such a wonderful topic because for any couple, really, but in the context of immigration especially, couples are having to confront really intimate aspects of their finances really early on in their in their relationship. And so Hannah is here with us today to really dive into what are money stories and why is it so uncomfortable for couples to talk about money. And also to provide you with some really amazing tips on how to navigate through that together and really grow and nurture your relationship and the conversations that you both have around money. So without further ado, thank you so much for being here today, Hannah. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you.
1: Yes. Thank you, Megan, for inviting me onto the Navigating Love and Migration podcast. It is so special to me to do collaborations with people where it's like we serve people in such a tender way. They're going through something big, um, whether they're coming to you or they're coming to me and we really have to be the facilitators of these interesting and intricate and delicate conversations. so I just I really appreciate having you in this space as well as such a tender-hearted and also brilliant person you know helping couples navigate immigration, which is just such a huge huge, huge hurdle. So I'm so excited to um share you with my audience as well. So
0: thank you. Oh, well thank you for those kind words. And I I I do that's when I was the naming this podcast, using the word navigating was just so important. And like you're saying, we're both guides in our respective fields. It's more than just the doing of the paperwork and the things like that. It's really guiding guiding our 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 couples or the individuals we represent through very difficult processes. So On our last conversation, you and I, well, we've had quite a few conversations, right, about uh, love and money stories. And I know one of the things we talked about is how sex and money are just really difficult conversations for couples. And I think it was one of our dear friends, too, Marla. I think she said, you know, we both, everybody loves, you know, having having money and, and sex, but it's not comfortable to talk about. So can you share with us more about why is that? Why is it such a tender topic?
1: Yeah, so to quote Marla even further, uh, she said people will have sex before they will talk about their money. <laughs> that's it. That
0: was it. I think there was all kinds of things that were thrown around, and I
1: just yes,
0: that's perfect. Yeah.
1: yeah, because you know while both both subjects are extremely tender, money goes even deeper. And what I have found over you know the years working with clients is that our money stories go so deep into our a sense of survival and into our sense of our personal well-being that it can be very very vulnerable to open up and share about that or even just to look at it for ourselves and so the piece that makes it hard to talk about especially with couples is you know when our money stories are different and the not so secret secret here is that all of our money stories are different We all have a different experience growing up. Our parents had a different experience growing up. So the generational money stories, right? It's not just about what you experienced. That's very important, but it's also, you know, going back generations that we sometimes have to deal with. And so when your partner either grew up in a different country or a different culture or even a different socioeconomic class, it can make it seem like you guys are like not even on the same planet when you're talking about money or making money decisions. So that aspect, right? That we that we feel so tender about our money, that we feel so tender about opening up about why we don't feel safe, that is that is the root of it.
0: And this might be new for for individuals to hear your your money story. Maybe some of our listeners haven't even heard about this idea of a money story. I think exactly what you're saying. It's like maybe a foreign concept for the other person because they've operated or learned or grown up this way. There's an assumption, right? It happens to all of us as human beings. We assume that everybody operates or maybe is thinking the same way as we are. So can you maybe give some examples or dive more into what is a money
1: story? Yes. So a money story is the emotion that comes up. That's tied to, it can be tied to a memory, but it can also, again, be tied generationally. So normally how I explain this is that it's something that comes up when a money situation happens and a money situation just, again, it touches every part of our lives. That can be for business owners, that can be, you know, your income, your revenue, You know, looking at your profit and loss statement every month or not, looking at a bank account, waiting for a check to pay, right? So, and then we move to employees or just anyone, general population, when you're getting paid, when you're paying someone, when you are planning a vacation, when you are receiving a gift or giving a gift, you know, these things cost money and our relationship with money has a story attached to it. So I want to dive in on the the gift giving. So this is an interesting one. I actually it illustrates the point really well, I think. Okay. So I have a beautiful client. She is phenomenal at what she does and she's doing really really well in her business and she has two kids and she grew up without much, right? So she grew up her family was very very poor and she she made it out. Right. That's kind of like the story. I made it out. Right. And she's doing amazing, um, in her own business now. And her son was turning 10 recently Hmm. and she threw him a, a big birthday party, right. Spent more than she's ever spent on a birthday party before. And, you know, it wasn't tens of thousands of dollars or anything, but it, you know, close to a thousand dollars. And it was, he was so lit up. He had so much fun with his friends. She loved giving that to him. And afterwards she started to feel panicky. She started to have this experience of like anxiety, like, Oh, should I have done that? Oh, I don't know if I should have done that. Oh, like, you know, all of the, the, the story coming up of those were the money stories. Should I have done that? I shouldn't have spent that much money. Was that too much? You know, all all of those, those are the money stories that started coming up and circling. And the reason I point this out is because it was taking something that she had done and she felt really good about and she was happy to do it. And it was turning it into a negative, right? Mm -hmm. It was going from this positive, beautiful experience into this like sense of anxiety and shame and guilt. And so when we stepped back to when, you know, she started explaining how she was feeling and what was coming up and I I asked her to do a little exercise with me and we we did a money story meditation. We just we like went through it. I call it a money story meditation. It's kind of like an just taking a pause, really taking a pause to get quiet and then kind of go inside and ask where's the story coming from. And what came up when she kind of settled her system was her fourth birthday when she was so little, she got very little for her birthday. And it was like nothing that she had wanted as a little girl, but she was told to be grateful for it. So it was this sense of, you know, no, you can't have what you want and you better be grateful for what we were able to do. And, you know, when we, we can look at that as an adult and say, oh yeah, kids should be grateful. Okay. Yes, we can conceptualize that. But when we put ourselves in our 4 year old in our 4 year old body and feel the feelings of a little 4 year old being just devastated there's so much more compassion we can give ourselves and when that you know when she had that memory surface and had that was able to resee that it was that the shame and the guilt were tied to that space the those other voices that were saying like you don't need that much You don't have to have a big fancy birthday party. You can just be happy with what you have. When for her, you know, that wasn't the case. And so when we kind of brought that back up and talked through it, it also connected to, you know, she's turning 40 this year and she wants to celebrate her own birthday and kind of give herself the, the experience of, yes, I can have what I want because, and here's the, here's the real key on the money side, on the data side, she can absolutely have the birthday party that she wants. She mm-hmm. could you know fly to Europe and with you know her girlfriends and go have a great time. Like she can do those things. Like the money is there, just like the money was there for her son's birthday party. But it was the stories that were coming up, the emotions that were coming up that were starting to tell her, no, you were wrong. This was bad. That were not the truth. And so now going forward, right? Like that's the, that's the illustration is that, oh, these things, other people's voices in our heads can stop us from doing the things that actually light us up and, and bring us joy if we allow them to, or we can make a different choice to honor what we truly want and help heal those many stories. Wow. That's a
0: really great example. That's super powerful. It just Especially how you're saying how she went into it so excited and then how those voices come up later that yeah. you go from excitement to then having these these voices of doubt and fear and questioning. And I can totally see how for couples, if you're having two different stories that can conflict or aren't in alignment, how that can cause conflict or make it a very uncomfortable situation for a couple to go through you know, making money decisions about buying a home and things of that nature. Yeah. And when you're looking or when you're working with your clients, I think that money meditation, I want to talk about that a little bit more. When an individual really thinks about it and takes time to sit with it and, and figure out maybe the root of where these money stories are coming from, are you able to kind of elaborate a little bit more about what individuals can do? Because it's not something that's going to just go away overnight, right? It's something that's going to keep Happening probably, right, until it's fully healed, or tell tell me more
1: yeah, I'm gonna say yes and no <laughs> to that because there are times when yes, you are going to keep revisiting you know something for a while until it's until it's healed, but there's something that I, I have learned over the last couple of years that I have found to be very, very true for for myself and, and for a lot of my clients as well that what you resist. So what Mm -hmm. you resist seeing, what you resist healing will persist. What you resist Mm. persists. Yes. It's going to keep being there like a thorn in your side or a thorn in your heart if you keep resisting looking at it. Okay. And what we look at disappears. Yeah. So what we resist persists and what we look at disappears. And in the context of healing, what's so amazing is that sometimes it really is just seeing the story once sometimes that truly is actually what it what happens is that that story has just never been acknowledged before you have never actually connected those dots and it's like once those dots are connected you can see it's like all of a sudden fog is lifted all of a sudden you're like wow I was making choices based on you know my my grandmother's voice from when I was four years old and I don't Want to make that choice anymore. So there can be an element of accepting that and moving forward. What can seem like, oh, we're doing the same thing again is that sometimes a similar thorn, right, will come up. And so it will, it will feel similar, but it will, it will have a different nuance,
2: Hmm. right?
1: So it won't, it won't be exactly the same. But you, the beautiful thing is you practiced it. So you get this thorn out about the birthday party. And that, that heals. And you're like, oh yeah, I can celebrate my birthday. I love that. And then something else comes up about wanting to buy yourself, you know, a celebratory piece of jewelry, right. Or go out to a nice dinner, right. So that's a similar story. And there might be something else, another thorn that kind of comes up from Mm -hmm. that. But now you've, you've cleared this one about the birthday party. So now this one about, you know, treating yourself to something that you actually really want, you have practice with that. And then you can let that go a little bit faster. And so the way that I move through it in the meditation is that it's an awareness.
0: That's exactly the word that was, sorry to cut you off, but yeah, it's exactly the word that I had in my mind. Just the awareness and a willingness to look at it.
1: Right, truly the awareness to look at it and then accept it. Yeah. That's sometimes that is all it takes. Sometimes the acceptance part you know, accepting that is the part that we resist. And so if you resist accepting it, yes, you might have to Mm -hmm. bring that one back up. But even just the awareness is a humongous first step because the awareness, what that means, here's the other step of that. The awareness, once you have it, you have it. Mm -hmm. You don't undo awareness. If you resist accepting that awareness will pop up here and pop up here and pop up here and pop up here. And and you'll just keep being aware of it until you accept it. It's almost like, um, you know, when you, when you really want a red Corvette, Mm -hmm. Oh, I really wish I had a red Corvette. And then you start seeing red Corvettes everywhere. The red Ah. Corvettes were always there. They weren't ever not there. It's just now you're aware of them and you're seeing them. Mm -hmm. And so our money stories are the same. If you can, be aware and accept it and integrate it right away you're done. So I'd like to talk more about
0: so this example was amazing right but so now let's 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 kind of go into in a couple where mm-hmm. there's more than two different money stories there's lots of different money stories from the past like you're saying all these different thorns. So are you able to speak to maybe an example of when you see kind of money stories collide for lack of better words or, and, and kind of what can couples do when, when that happens? Do they come to that awareness, do a money meditation together or, or speak a little bit more on that?
1: Yes. So, I mean, as again, we could even still use the birthday party example, right? Mm -hmm. Like if someone had a family where they always did Mm -hmm. great big birthday parties, right? That's the norm, right? So let's say, yeah, mom and dad, dad's family always did great big birthdays. And mom's family did not, right. They didn't have that kind of money. They would do little family parties. You know, you get a one maybe one present and that was great over here. They would get 10 presents and have, you know, 10 friends over and do big sleepovers and all this. So, I mean, you can probably already start to see what money stories, right. What money stories are going to come up here. The, you know, that is going to be like, let's do the big birthday party. Let's rent the bounce house. Let's, go to the trampoline place and buy for everyone. And mom over here is going to be like, that's $300. That's $45. The present is a hundred dollars. And she's going to be like adding up every single cent and Mm -hmm. feeling panic, Mm -hmm. panic inside. And so what's the fight going to be? Why do we have to do this? He doesn't need that big of a birthday party, right? And then the dad saying, I just want him to have a special day. Mhm. This is what I remember from growing up and this was so special to me. And those are both money stories, right? And it's it's so it's so tender to open up because it's the partner. So in this in this example, it's the mom who is panicked about the money being spent. She's the reserved partner. And she's the one that has, you know, like the trauma is coming up. And so when we look at that scenario, what does she need? She needs to be heard. She needs to be seen. She needs to understand her story. And it needs to be okay, right? Like that tears, right? Tears come up. It doesn't seem like, here's on the dad's side, you know, it might seem like it's not that big of a deal, right? And though those might be the words. It's not that big of a deal. It's a birthday party. And over here, it is such a big deal. I am panicked about us being able to provide for our family, right? It's so much more than spending $700 on a birthday party. Mm -hmm. And what's true? If we look at the money, if me here, neutral party over here is saying, all right, well, there's plenty of money in checking. Like, yeah, pay, pay for the birthday party. That's great. Right now we have a winner and a loser. Now there's, you know, dad wins. Yeah, Yeah. there's plenty of money in the checking account. Why are you worried about it? And now she's just been shut down and invalidated. That causes separation. That causes resentment. That causes, oh, I spoke up and I felt bad and I got shut down. So I don't want to speak up again.
0: Mm -hmm. So next time there's a birthday party or something that they need to spend money on, Mm -hmm. what might happen I'm hearing is the other person stays silent and maybe stuffs it down, sits in their discomfort and anxiety Mm -hmm. and you know, the feelings that are coming up from their money story and that
1: separation continues to grow. Yeah. Yeah. You've just, you've just like, you know, withered what it feels like that death by a thousand cuts, right. When we see relationships start to crumble, like it's not what it's not that one thing happened. It's all of these things happened Mm -hmm. right over time. That's it. That's the start. That was the wound, right. That didn't ever get cleansed. Mm -hmm. And so how would we, how would we talk about that differently? We would ask what's coming up. Let's do, let's dive into this. Let's, let's see, let's look around gently. It doesn't have to be a, you're not re-traumatizing someone, right? We can do this in a gentle way where again, they can feel seen and heard and acknowledged and they can come back, right? So she could still come back and say, okay, this is so different from how I grew up and it feels really stressful and voice that, voice all of those things that she's feeling and he can hear it and say, I hear you, I understand. Thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for being open and sharing your heart with me so that I can understand better. And then there are two ways that you can go about that. If it really is, where one partner is overspending, maybe there's a compromise. If it really is, there is actually no issue and it's okay. Maybe there, you know, then there's a different level of acceptance, but no matter what, both partners need to be seen and heard in Mm -hmm. the process. So yeah, it's an awareness of the other. It's giving, this is another another little snippet from Marla of giving the benefit of the doubt. Mm Mm-hmm. Always giving your partner the benefit of the doubt that, hey, dad over here isn't trying to stress you out by throwing a big birthday party. And mom over here isn't trying to, you know, keep the child from having a great birthday. Right. Let's give each other the benefit of the doubt and come together and and see what stories are coming up. Because when you, when you do it around a small thing, let's say that the birthday party is $700. When we do it around that, that's when, you know, buying the house, buying the car, going on a you know big vacation, right? The big money conversations start to get easier because you have practiced and you've learned how to turn towards each other and be curious and open to their own, their different money stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great example. And I think the most powerful thing that I want to reiterate too, is if you're not taking time to aware of your own money story and accept that and then also do that for your partner that divide that can be that can arise right and so are you able to talk or speak to what you see that might happen with couples if if those conversations aren't had
1: oh yes so I was just doing a little research on this the other day so I am not a certified divorce financial analyst that's a CDFA but the CDFA group did research on What are the main reasons that people get divorced? And it was about 40, around 44%, some form of irreconcilable differences, over 25% financial, um, like specifically financial issues. And then another roughly 20% that was infidelity. Okay. So what's funny is the irreconcilable differences aspect is usually very heavily tied to finances. So while we can say that, you know, over 20, you know, 20-ish, 25% is directly attributable to financial issues, those irreconcilable differences, that's the birthday party, Mm. right? That's where those rifts happen or can be, you know, a big aspect of that, where when we're not able to communicate about the stories that are coming up, about the feelings that are coming up, that. Again, that death by a thousand cuts, right? Like every conversation, if we think of it as like a little cut every time, every conversation that where we stuff something down, where we say what we feel, but we're not being heard, we're not being received, and we know it on either side, either side of the equation, or when you don't say the thing, when you feel the thing and you don't say the thing because you don't think it's going to be received, that is a cut. That is another cut and another cut and another cut that just festers until it's healed. And so when we think about the importance of communication in general, again, we can even go back to, you know, people will, people will talk about sex before they'll talk about money. You know, people will talk about a lot of different things before they'll talk about money. So in my, in my seat, being a certified financial planner and working with couples and families for almost two decades now, which is crazy to me, (laughs) Uh, like 17 years soon, it's so much more important to talk about what's coming up, how people are feeling about the data they're seeing than it is even to talk about the data. That's 100% the learning that I have gleaned over my time in this industry is that like, I can make a beautiful financial plan. The graphs and the charts can look great and they can say all kinds of fancy things. And I can write up all kinds of recommendations about, yeah, you want to achieve this. Here's how you do it. They won't ever implement those recommendations. They won't get to experience that financial transformation if we don't do the work of actually talking and listening. Like, what do you feel when you see you could retire at 62 instead of 65? How does that feel to you? And then actually letting the conversation happen because you don't know. You don't know what someone is thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's where I want to take this as well, especially around those conversations of like, what do you want to create in life? This is the other place where irreconcilable differences, especially come up that can also be solved. I'm going to say like, that's a bold claim, but I'm going to say, say it that boldly, like they can be solved by talking through our money stories. If we think about what we want to create in the future, for some people, that's looking t- towards retirement. For some people, that's giving back in a big way or starting a nonprofit or traveling the world or getting an RV and driving across the country or, you know, like all the different forms of what it looks like to enjoy your life and actually be in joy while you're living. A lot of times, there is a dominant partner and a I'm not going to say submissive partner, but a, but a, a more subdued partner where the, the, the partner that is like bright and bold. Yeah. Like, I'm so excited. I'm going to do all these things. And this is, this is it. And this, it's all, all this excitement. And then the more subdued partner is just like going along like, for the ride. Yeah. yeah. Going along for the ride, like afraid to speak up because this partner is so bright and bold. And instead what I have learned to do is to separate those two mm. and say what do you want and what do you want and i want to i don't want to hear i don't want to hear well you know he wants to retire at this time or she wants to travel around europe i want you to paint a picture the full picture what does it look like to you and then the other partner what does it look like to you let's paint all of your pictures separately so that you can start to get to know each other better because a lot of times there's like this cultural sense of like, okay, when you're married, you have to just do the things together. Right. Uh, Yeah. I'm so glad you
0: mentioned that because that's exactly all of the things that you're saying, especially in the context of immigration, immigration for couples has this very old fashioned way, not 21st century way of looking at relationship evidence and immigration really sees that couples who have joint finances together, joint bank account statements, everything joint, everything together, exactly what you're saying, Mm -hmm. that that's preferred. Immigration thinks that like, this is their cookie cutter. Like everything has to be joint. You have to have everything together for us to believe you have a real relationship. But I hear a lot of couples saying, we want to do things together, but we're also our own individuals, own individual people. We want to continue to be individuals and have this union. And so exactly what you're saying with, Yeah, having having things combined that way. And then if and I do, I see that as well with like you're saying a a dominant party and then like another individual who's like subdued along for the ride. I see that in the context too of the immigration case where somebody kind of takes the lead and the process. And so I could see that that can show up too in the financial aspect. So Mm -hmm. yeah, tell tell me more about what does that do when everything like if, if couples put everything together jointly
1: financially. The thing that comes up most often is one or both partners. This is again, it's not that one person is doing it wrong and one person is doing it right.
0: Sure. Um
1: it's it's that one or both partners feels that they have zero autonomy. Yeah. And that breeds resentment. Just plain and simple. It breeds resentment when a partner feels that they can't they can't do anything. They can't have anything that they want or, you know, do anything that they want that's different from what their partner wants to do or have. And our individuality, that's what brings people together in the first place, right? There was a spark of individuality that, that you were drawn to with that other person. And that's why you're together. It's not because they're a mirror reflection of you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we all have mirrors. We can just sit and stare at ourselves uh, if that's what we want and then go buy your own stuff, right? Like just do that. If, if it, if it matters that much to you to have someone who is exactly like you, but it was the individuality in the first place that brought you together. And so when you literally combine everything to the point of neither of us can make a financial decision on our own, that starts to breed resentment in a relationship. And that's not to say that that can't happen in, when you have joint finances. Sure. So like in my, in my case, I'm married to my high school sweetheart. We've been together for uh, 21 years almost. Um, <laughs> right. It's been a long time. Uh, no, we've been together for 21 years. It'll be 22 years uh, in August. There we go. That's Awesome. And so we grew up together. Right. And so like our finances have been joint since the beginning. Right. So I speak from experience on both sides, my side and his side, when I say, when we can't make financial decisions on our own, it breeds resentment. Yeah. And so when you, when you think about if people come together when they're older, when they're already established in their careers, when they've already had, you know, like their own financial lives have been taking care of themselves. Hmm. That's a tender, like, are we really going to just like get rid of everything separate and just go fully together? That gets really interesting. There are a lot of conversations That come up around that, and I think the more important aspect. I don't think we're going to change the immigration system here.
0: Uh (laughs) Well, I'm trying. I tell people, yeah, I tell people, you do you, and we will help. We will help explain why you're doing this to immigration, and we've done that successfully because it it is. It's exactly what you're saying, and we, you know, we we present that to immigration. Hey, look, here's here's something we have joint but we're two individuals. We have autonomy. We want to maintain that. And we want our relationship to survive. So this is why we've set our finances up this way. Sorry, not sorry. We're not going to join everything because yeah, we're two human beings. And then we have this union. So I'm working on that part.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that. Cause there is a, there's, I think the truth is the yours, mine and ours. Yes. The yours, mine and ours space. Right. So, you know, our retirement accounts or we're planning this together for later. Yep. Right. And th- I mean, that's a pretty easy one. Retirement accounts are generally like individually owned. Right. We do not we not can't have them any differently, but they're moving towards the same or similar goal Yeah, where, you know, same with actual, like on the ground finances, yours, mine, and ours can be a really beautiful way to have joint finances where you're also still honoring each other and your autonomy and your ability to, you know, I mean, it it can be as simple as, you know, people say things like, I want to be able to buy you a present without you seeing it on the debit card. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking of the
0: exact same thing. (laughs) You are like reading my mind. That's exact. That's exactly it. My husband and I had discovered that it's pretty similar, you know, to you and and your husband, like you're saying, joining everything, but then it's like, well, do we buy each other gifts? I mean, we see everything or do we and
1: you know, I want I want it to be a surprise. It does, it feels weird. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And I mean, and that's again, we can we can like trivialize some of these smaller things, but they're not. The they're little not. things are what like build up to the bigger things. It truly is, I believe wholeheartedly that, you know, when you take care of the small things, the big things tend to take care of themselves to a degree. Like you still got to talk about the big stuff too. But when you practice, that's what, that's what it really is. When you practice talking about the little things, it might be a little bit, you might have more stories coming up. You might have more anxiety coming up when the big things come through, but you've had practice. You've had practice talking about the little things. You have had practice navigating through the birthday party So now, you know, when you're talking about where do you actually want to like move, how much house do you want to buy? How much mortgage can you afford? How much, you know, or school tuition are you going to pay for your children, if any, right? Like these big conversations, they follow the pattern of the little conversations that you've had. And when a partner has felt heard and seen and understood in the smaller conversations, they feel more able to speak up in the bigger conversations
0: yeah I can kind of visualize all the little conversations and the willingness to lean into that discomfort to be aware like you said and accept and share those feelings and kind of create a bridge to make it easier to get across you know the difficult patches like yeah, it sounds easy, but it sounds difficult, right to lean into the the discomfort in these types of conversations. So where can a couple who is maybe avoided? money conversations and it feels so vulnerable, it feels so intimate, how can they start having these
1: conversations? Where do they begin? Yeah. Yeah, uh, One good place to begin. Well, there's always, there's always help available. So that's the first step, right? Like if, if it truly is like, I can't even, I don't know how to have this conversation. There are absolutely, you know, professionals that can help with that. If it's literally, you know, I can raise my hand in that aspect too. I love talking with people, especially entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurial couples. That's my jam for all of the money conversations. There's so many money conversations with entrepreneurs. And what it truly starts with, the very core of it is, I'm gonna say this one again, giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. So starting from the place. And so this is um, Brene Brown as well. This is coming from Brene Brown of everyone is doing the best that they can. Yeah. You either believe that or you don't. And if you believe that everyone is doing the best that they can at the time, you can start from that place. Okay. I believe that you're doing the best that you can at this time. I want to give you the benefit of the doubt that you are not trying to hurt me or hurt anyone else. Right. And I'm very curious.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm willing to be curious About what's coming up, and so I use all of that language because money stories can be very triggering, right? People like anger can come up, like pure frustration can come up, like it can get really heated, heated. (laughs) intense, yes, intense, heated, angry. Like all of those things can come up around money. That's the first step. Is when those when those like raw anger, frustration, heat. Uh, starts rising is to give yourself a second to process that away from, you know, not not spewing on your partner, turn somewhere else, scream into a pillow, punch a punching bag, whatever it is that helps like dissipate that anger and then move into I'm. everyone is doing the best that they can. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to be curious. I'm going to be curious about what's coming up. Can you tell me, can you tell me what you're feeling right now and open the conversation from there? What are you hearing and taking from that, Megan?
0: Yeah. When you're talking about, when you're talking about that, I'm thinking about, you know, for my own, my own personal relationship to be vulnerable and to bring up Marla again, I'm thinking about her advice to sit next to each other on a couch or go on a walk. Because like when you're saying, these feelings come up, it's it's triggering, it's, you know, it's activating, there might be anger. And even if you, and I tell couples that too, don't project all over the person you love from the, because of the stress of the immigration process and find an outlet, you know, walk, or like you said, scream into a pillow or whatever you need to do to move that feeling through your body. But still, even when you get ready to have that conversation with the other person, when you're kind of facing each other, it can feel a little confrontational. Some of those feelings are still lingering that you might have about Whatever your money story might be, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And so we
0: have found that you know if you're sitting next to each other, like I said, or going on a walk and talking about these things and just even saying, "I feel X, y, and Z, and I think it's because of X, y, and z, and just you know sharing that and having that be out there and having each other be be curious exactly what you're saying. but that I was just just thinking about that the format, the setting in which you do it is so important, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: to be able to have that conversation and just. And it doesn't have to be a at least for me personally, I, I would say it doesn't have to be a super in-depth conversation at first. Just a little, just even right. sharing how it feels. And you don't have to like I one of my things that I always say is we don't have to solve all the world's problems today. We can start just a little with some of the surface stuff and then continue that curiosity, you know, day by
1: day. So I think oh, that's that's so good. Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off. That's no, exactly. so good because there, yeah, there is we have a similar personality. I think yes. and that, you know, like, that's probably why we like, wore the same color today. <laughs> right. I know. Right. Like resolution. I just want resolution. What's the resolution. What's the answer. Let's oh, just get yes. The answer, right. And leaving open loops. Right. That's what we call it. Yeah. Those loops are just open. Like, I just want to go close. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Close the loop down. But that's not how life works.
0: No. And I try and try as I might to <laughs> make everything quote unquote perfect. I know there is no such thing, but Yes. To just just letting it be unclosed loops and just letting it grow and develop and evolve. But I think just something so what I'm hearing too from you, the question, you know, that I had asked was, you know, how can couples start having this conversation, these conversations? You don't have to make it onerous. It can come up next time it comes up and you feel the feelings, just the first thing is just be aware, right? Is what I'm hearing from you. And then a willingness to get curious and investigate and maybe lean in and share just a little bit about how you're feeling to just start
1: that dialogue
0: is what I'm hearing from you.
1: Yes. And so, so that's, that's two sides, right? So something's coming up and I'm feeling it and I'm sharing it. And that takes so much courage. It does so much courage. (laughs) I I see from experience. (laughs) Me too. Me too. (laughs) Um, and on the other side, right, even for, for my husband, it's the same. So here's, here is, um, one last peek into into my marriage it, as well is that I would not share because I was afraid that he would he would shut down. So his his pattern would be to you know if something is wrong and I share something is wrong, he goes inside, is angry like turns inside and, and he shuts down. And so I'm afraid to share because I'm afraid of him pulling away, right? The yeah. abandonment wound. Yes. He is afraid to share because if he shares what he's upset about, I have been afraid to share what I'm. I've been upset about. So he shares what he's upset about and says, I'm upset that you did this thing. And I say, well, guess what, buddy? I'm upset about these five things that I didn't tell you about because I didn't want you to get mad and go away, but now you're mad at me. So I'm just going to let it rip Yep, with all the dates and times. And this is what happened. And and he just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. So it was, it was like, I'm going to, I'm going to sling an arrow. All right. I've got a volley. Right right, and it's so we're talking about the same issues, and you know like we are both afraid to say the thing for different reasons. so this vulnerability, this courage on either side, the courage is to say the thing, and then the kindness on the other side is to receive yeah to receive the thing without the volley of return. And that can be, okay, for me, oh my God, so difficult. <laughs> so difficult to practice, right? And to learn. And and yet I was able to unlearn that. Yeah. Through conscious choosing, becoming aware that that pattern was so damaging that he would not open up about things that were upsetting because I would just return fire. Yeah. And so like, holding, receiving, what do you have to say? I will receive it. And both of those things take courage and practice. Definitely.
0: And one final thought of what I'm hearing from what you're sharing too, is in thinking that maybe couples are going to think, well, we both have to be on board with this. But I think mm-hmm. the truth is these conversations can really kind of start with one, one person, right? Mm-hmm. That it, what I'm hearing from you is you decided, like, what is it that I need to do I need to be willing to share, and then also I need to be willing to receive without giving that volley. So there's Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing from from what you're saying is it just takes yeah one person in the relationship to make it that make that conscious decision, and then with mirror mirror neurons, maybe you know you can both get on get on the same page right and start having those
1: deeper conversations. So that's so wise, yes, because that's the truth, and the other the other half of that truth is that that's all you can do.
0: Ah, yes, that's yes, exactly. Because I, I hear from couples a lot. Well, we both have to go through this therapy or this, you know, therapy sessions. We both have to do this. We both have to be on board, but really that's all you, we can control at the end of the day is ourselves and our own emotions and how we show up. So that's super powerful. Yeah, I know, I know that there was this, really amazing interview with with uh, mm-hmm. Michelle and Barack Obama and I remember she was saying well we went to therapy and I sat down and I was like tell him all the reasons he's wrong and that it was actually focused on what you know she needed to do and what she needed to work on and so I just I always think about that that that's really all we can do right so yeah well I could talk to you forever <laughs> and this was extre- yeah. this is extremely amazing advice that you've provided I know this will be very helpful for all of the couples who are listening or even individuals, right? For that matter, to start to look at our own money stories and tell all of our audience, how can people get in contact with you, learn more about your work in the world? And do you have any special events or anything coming up that listeners should be aware of?
1: Yes, yes. Thank you for asking because I adore working with couples. And so we talked about this a little bit there's just so much. And, and just by nature of the work that I do as a financial planner um, and a wealth advisor, a lot of my clients do come as a couple and, you know, that can be any sort of couple, right? There's some even partnerships where people are not married, but they are, you know, partnered and they, they choose to be partnered. Right. So like that configuration can look any way and the communication piece and the honoring each other's dreams and goals is still the same. So I work with individuals and couples uh, in X squared wealth planning. So I am a certified financial planner, accredited portfolio management advisor, and chartered retirement planning counselor. That's all the alphabet soup behind <laughs> me. And you know I've been in the financial planning industry since 2007. So this is really like my life's work of helping people be at peace with their finances. Through so in X squared that's through comprehensive financial planning and investment management. In my second company, expansive CEO, which is you know where the podcast gets its name as well. In expansive CEO, it's um, a broader scope of money mindset, especially still especially for entrepreneurs. But I am also branching into couples awesome. and having specific programs for couples around communication, because when we we learn how to talk about our money stories again, that flows through to everything else. When we learn how to make peaceful financial decisions, that flows through to everything else as well. So the, with X squared wealth planning, super easy. It's, and it's on the screen here, it's X2, the numeral two, wealth.com. That's X2wealth.com. And you can connect with me there and see you know my work in the world uh, as a fiduciary financial advisor and an expansive ceo that's expansiveceo.com that is the money mindset coaching in a lot of different ways so i have a lot of different offerings there you can catch me on my podcast where i also i love having conversations like this there are a whole bunch of them and coming up soon i'll be speaking about money stories and going through the money story meditation in the summit called wealthy women rising So it's beautiful, you know, a whole day full of, you know, people talking about building wealth, especially for women. So that's on May 25th, 2023. Uh, And I will have a link to that also um, on my socials. Great. And we'll share that link too
0: in the show notes for this podcast episode for anybody who's listening. Or if you're watching it on YouTube, we'll have it in the the show notes below as well.
1: Yeah. And Megan, (laughs) I want to turn it on you because this is going on the Expansive CEO podcast too. I want to turn the mic around for a moment and how can my listeners get a hold of you and you know you you do something specific with immigration being an immigration a- attorney but you are very specific so yeah. I want to hear about that.
0: Awesome. Yeah just like you I love working with couples as well. Immigration for couples, just as it sounds we're dedicated exclusively to the specific niche and area in immigration it's federal law. So we actually help couples all across the nation and the world. I mean, we have clients in in Europe, Italy, France, Dubai, Australia. So we have, have couples everywhere that we help navigate the U.S. immigration process. It's quite a labyrinth, but with the goal in mind of the immigrant beneficiary being able to have lawful status so the couple can start their next chapter of life together in the United States. So that is what we are dedicated exclusively to doing. That is our work in the world. And we do it in a way where we want couples, like I said earlier, we want to be a guide for couples. We want to be by their side and help them navigate all of the nuances and all of the feelings and everything that arises in the process. And your listeners, if if, if anyone is needing immigration assistance or knows someone who does in the world of immigration for couples, our website is immigrationforcouples.com and i also have the, the navigating love and immigration podcast and a free resource center and a whole lot of uh, great resources on the website that individuals who whether they're just starting out or in the middle of their immigration journey can can check out
1: so mm. yeah so beautiful thank you yeah thank you. and thank
0: you too this has been a great a great conversation i think it's it's so important There's just not enough information, I don't think, in the world for couples to be able to have these conversations. So this was such a powerful and important conversation today. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you.